Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Stolen Signs podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am still Kendall Gilmet along with Harry Pavlidis. Hello, Harry. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. How are you doing? I am well. It was a very hot autumn day in Chicago. Oh yeah, it was cold here. That's kind of often how it goes. Your part of the country gets yeah, I got rainy bubble of cold air and. We get a pop of hot air. So that was today. Weather with Harry. Mm-hmm. I love weather. I'm not like Mike Trout, but <clears throat> meteorology is uh, fascinating. I am from New Jersey. I do like the weather. Uh, that's about where it ends. You might be Mike Trout. We'll never I have know. A neck. I have a neck. Oh, never mind. That's another difference between him and I. Uh, is it he and I or him and I? Anyways. The king and I. This is a perfect segue because mm-hmm. we just like accidentally talked about player people similarities, mm-hmm. and that happens to be the subject of tonight's show. Yes, pitcher similarity or comps or sins, whatever we don't trip over. And uh, there's a lot of research. Well, actually, I take that back. There's a significant amount of research, but there's not as much as I thought there'd be when I was doing my trademark half-ass show prep. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, one of the things I, I, I want to cover is actually something I don't think you, you have even seen, Kendall. It's not it's an unpublished paper by a BP intern, a former BP intern graduate. <laughs> He's now an intern for a major league team. Excellent. Uh, so, you know, I just kind of want to give the lay of the land on what's been going on picture similarities over the last few years and, you know, also what i think may be coming next excellent great um yeah so we will talk about that and then um after that we are going to talk about things we learned this week and um yeah so if you want to talk to us we would like to talk to you you can email us stolen underscore signs at baseballperspectus.com or on twitter at stolen underscore signs and um, reach out to us tell us hello and rate and review us on the iTunes store we would love that and appreciate it or whatever podcast rating platform give us a star a heart a like like. on your own refrigerator just like print out like Mm -hmm. one of the posts definitely put an A plus on it oh A plus send us Mm -hmm. a picture 80 grade I don't, I don't want to see if the, if it's an A plus, send us the picture or anything less. Yeah. Not yeah. worth it. We have standards here. Yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> Let's not get carried away. Clutter my photo space. All right. Well, uh, we will be back and we will talk about picture similarity scores. Stick around. And we are going to talk today about pitcher similarity scores and where um, kind of where where, it's, we've been. <laughs> where we've been, where we are now, and where we're going. Um, yeah, so they um, first came out. I'm going to – so I did a little bit of prep 
in okay. from all right. All right. from Harry's prep. Fit, Harry's half-assed prep um, kind of inspired me to do half-assed, half-assed prep. So that's what I did. And quarter of a booty. Quarter booty. And uh, so, from what I understand about pitcher similarity scores, it started with Bill James in the eighties. And when he looked at it, he talked about um, results. And so he looked at um, counting stats. He looked at um, ERA, things like that. And it was useful more over a career, not as much for like um, even a season. Although I would imagine as the season went on, that became more and more helpful. But do, like, do you know where people are going to be most familiar with these? No. The baseball reference. Okay. Baseball reference basically just follows the James method for breaking down. And on the show page at BP, we'll have a link to if you go to baseball reference, you probably find it too. Uh, but yeah, it's it's the Bill James scoring system. You know, probably somewhat modified, I think, to go over the details. But it, yeah. it's it basically this, you know, adding and starting with a thousand and subtracting certain like fraction of points for each difference in various stats. And as you noted, Kendall, it's mostly useful for counting stats. So it's career. Um, it's, it's very similar in basis to what Nate Silver eventually did with player comps for Dakota except with rate stats right so you, like caper so, nine walk rate those were yeah, also factored yeah, in. sorts of components of many many folds so that's all written about in some old annual like i don't have a good article to share for that we're gonna we'll rewrite an article about that at some point because we're probably gonna be updating the, the, our methods and have updated them but the basic idea is that yeah i mean you look at all these sets of results so you know james silver you know that 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 was the focus then and i don't think that's the focus so much anymore it seems does it when did that change with pitch fx in 2008 when josh Kalk wrote an article about uh using movement and speed to determine similarity between pitchers so Josh, we've mentioned him on the show before. He wrote some stuff about injury prediction, not I think in 2009, before he was hired by a major league team, where he still works all these many years later. Uh, he found that you could, no surprise, use the pitch speed and movement to determine that Barry Zito is kind of like Ted Lilly and stuff like that. Um, so that was, I think... I think the first time someone had done pitch FX based pitcher mm-hmm. similarities. I, if there's another one, I, I'm not remembering it or never saw it. Um, so that was, I think, the point of change, the point of inflection. So, and when that happened, um, the the kind of components that were looked at in pitch FX were um, velocity, mm-hmm. horizontal movement, vertical Vert- movement. Yeah. So basically, the spin on the ball and the speed of the of the ball. But it wasn't. So, it was. It was the spin on the ball measured by horizontal movement and vertical movement. Yeah, not, how much not like yeah, RPM. The spin, spin-induced movement. Got it. So not like the angle or trajectory so much as how much the ball spinning affected made the, the air around it. Got it. Do things and and 
put Magnus force on the ball and made it move. So vertically, that would be how much it would have, you know, quote unquote, resisted gravity. The ball doesn't rise against gravity. I mean, resist it a little bit and just drop, not as much as you'd expect. So, yeah, so that was basically the idea. So guys with a hopping fastball, guys with a big curveball, you know, they, they would show up as similar, you know, pitch by pitch. But then you'd combine, you know, that I think that's another thing. I mean, that's done with both. It's like who has a similar fastball, who has, but who also has a similar change up in similar curveball so you know that that that's you know it's not it's it's the whole arsenal mm-hmm. not just the pitch but again though that depends on the question that you're asking so like just asking we're from to, the data you know is that what you mean well yeah if, if well that's what you're interested in and what yeah. you're going to use the data for so i mean if, if i'm interested in something about fastballs uh, you know, and the question just about how to, how how do pitchers use a fastball, and I'm just looking at that in isolation. I want to look for similar fastballs. You know, I would do that if I'm looking at you know, hold like what starting pitchers most like another starting pitcher in terms of arsenal. Then I would look also at pitch mix, which is you know tells you something else. But if I'm projecting a pitcher, I may not want to lean so as much on pitch mix because pitch mix may change. Right. They may add a new pitch. So it depends on And a pitch may change too. Or like a pitcher may change his Well yeah, his I mean, sometimes they decide to want like that, right? or not. Yeah. yeah, they may change their, you know from a slider to a cutter. That may not be important. But the movement difference, you know, it, it matters. You know, their arm angle changes. So that's another thing where you if you're gonna do you know pitcher comps that way, you gotta consider where they're releasing the ball. So, which is somewhat akin, funnily enough, to what Nate Silver would have, like height and weight and things like that. We have that in, in comps. So you kind mm-hmm. of almost sort of capture, like, you know, some of the body information with release point and height and size, I think, would be helpful right. for a projection system and also just for comparing. Um, and you could also capture that just by calculating the angles at which the pitches are coming from. And something which I don't think anyone's done yet is use, you know, similarity like tunnels like you know, do pictures tunnels make them more similar right yeah. the way to compare them so they may have some more stuff but it comes from all different places even though their average release point may be the same and maybe where they work but yeah again i mean there's all the things you know kind of back up again and so there's like what is your stuff you know the speed movement angles there's utilization of that stuff so what's your pitch mix you know, and then there's locations like some some of uh, some research on pitching similarities. Like I think Vince Gennaro's work, uh, I think to and uh, Stephen Loftus. I think those guys all put pitch location into the mix. I'm not sure if Kalk did. I don't remember. Uh, but there's all this. So sometimes it's where the pitcher throws the pitch matters. And okay. I think that's kind of a different thing. Again, it's more, that's again, maybe good for descriptive, but I may not use that so much for predicting because the pitcher can change his approach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's at some level, you know, the guy can't get the ball down, but there's at some level he's just choosing not to work down. So, right. you know, you, you may have to look at how much things like that change and have an awareness of understanding how much location may be fluid for a pitcher and his approach before you determine if you're going to use that as a projection comp rather than just a similarity score so they're kind of the same thing but they're not and they're not because the use is or like the purpose of them is right descriptive like yeah this guy threw the pitch 
to this location this many times and the other guy did or, you know, or didn't. And you can say that's an element of similarity for them. But I don't know if I would say that's a comparable for a projection necessarily until we would establish that, yeah, that location is something that you want to use as a grouping over time that it's one of those things that doesn't change like a guy's height's not going to change but his release point might right so you know it's it, it's just the size of the error bars you're getting on your projections an even cooler way of, of doing things is based on the guy's mechanics we know what how their pitches are going to move so you can say what if he added a slider who would he be like then and, and then and when you, that so when you say uh, that's interesting like so when you say like pitcher X is similar to pitcher Y, pitcher X only is like fastball changeup, and pitcher Y has you know fastball changeup, slider, curveball, like. Mm-hmm. And so you, you can could pretty say, much estimate based on biomechanics, and that's like the the principle of the Lenzner axis. And that's also what you know the Brooks Fleissig Pavlidis paper on biomechanics and. Lenzner axis, you know, established that it's based. There's some things pitchers can do with their mechanics to, you know, make their movement different from other guys with similar mechanics. But basically, your arm slot and your wrist angle. You know, know, if if you find guys who move similar to other pitchers, so we can just look at their pitch FX data and understand what their arm path is. So, and you use that to then say, okay, well, if this guy added a slider, it would probably look like something like this. But, but here's the thing though, pitchers who throw the, from the same mechanics may have different, you know, bigger, like a tighter slider. Let's mark a cutter or one that's a little, you know, there's still differences. So it's not like, you know, it's like you do still have to kind of pick a comp and say like, you know, what if we gave him, you know, a slurvy slider versus a, you know, hard slider versus a more of a cutter you kind of you know model it kind of you know in in a circle that way i think you would do it yeah i mean this seems like it has a lot of player development implications well Um, yeah i think i think that's what pitching coaches and what scouts just see right they're like oh this guy is you know going to develop a good curveball right you get rid of the slider and go to a curveball right they can see that and the scouts can see that they have to like that's yeah right yeah i guess that makes sense <laughs> and that's why that projection is all about you know what what seeing what they're going to do so i i mean and, if you're gonna if you're gonna use these as comparables for projections you can say well how do you project pictures it's like well you, you project them in terms of a development not just of an aging curve or whatnot you also understand what kind of stuff they throw how, how that stuff ages how they can change using it you know so part of it just projecting for you know Dakota saying we use this stuff in Dakota. We don't right now, but we would like to. Uh, you know, if we started putting that into projection system, that would tell us a bunch of things. But from a player development perspective, yeah, it's a, it's more of that. Okay, we think this pitcher will develop this way. In but that's a that's like strictly observational. Um, you know, that, I mean, that's why teams have scouts. But that's, well, yeah, I mean, there's scouts, and you can also probably look at their data now too. And yeah, so that. that's. And, and that would be, um, you know, I'm just kind of thinking hypothetically here. Like, if if I'm a team and my scout says, "Hey, this guy, we should have him start throwing a slider or whatever." Oh yeah, you can test that. And then you'd be like, "Okay, well, let's put this into our projection system." 
and see what the if the like the data agrees not to undermine the scout but to more you know back them up and and have some like um empirical understanding of like a healthy you know holistic approach would entail right and there's also the you know not knowing separating results a bit yeah Um, so it's like a, a change up that's good in the minors may not be good in the big leagues with um so i'm just trying to think of like so you you can look if you look at stuff now this gets almost into you know a major league equivalence where you're where you're saying okay you know if you're a team you have this data this isn't stuff that's available in the public domain you say well this guy's you know this guy's slider or whatever works in the minors but we know from our data that it won't work as well in the majors or this change up doesn't seem effective in the minors or he doesn't use it in the minors or he doesn't use it in high school or, or college like but they say it's good it's like well, well you know what would be a good change up you know right um how would it look how would we project him with that how would we project him without it you know there's you know and then saying with this is this guy's stuff going to translate that i think that's you know you can look at stuff and not just results would the so, op- would the opposite be true then as well? Um, and so, you know, somebody in the front office is just like crunching, crunching, crunching numbers, looking at stuff. And they're like, okay, so we've got this guy at low A who's like, who doesn't have a big arsenal, but we think based on our projections that if we, you know, gave, again, gave him a slider or whatever, um, he, that would be really effective. And then you would send out kind of your scouts internally or your coaches or something to be like, do you, do you see that too? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, or- I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, it's like, I mean, I think you could look at any pitcher and say, Oh, we can make him, if we had a, you know, if, if we had, if he was like a, you know, a rubber toy and we can bend his arms and make him throw the slider, you know, of course, I mean that, yeah, but it, it, there's a whole separate dimension to it. Right. So there's guys who are like, okay, he has a crappy slider now, but if he throws it, if he keeps going on the a trajectory, he's going developmentally with it, it'll be better. You may have more ways to empirically look at that. Um, I think, you know, the pitch design and pitcher design, there's, there's a lot of feel to these things. Yeah. I mean, I think kind of starts like to get some into guys stuff. Can pronate, you know, better or delay pronation, you know, you know, better than others. So, I mean, there's, so there's little things. It's not just, you know, putting that plugging in a piece. Right. And there's so you're also absolutely the, right. You have to then have the whole, you know, is, is this guy teachable? Is he open to learning something yeah. new? Yeah. There's the whole psychological <laughs> development piece that we talked about with Dan and Russell um, in that player development situation where, you know, like you just said, like, exactly. can we teach this guy a slider? Not, you know, would it be good if we could, but is it something that will, because of course you're going to pick work? a great slider. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can we teach him a really crappy that's slider? The kind of idea is, is, but there's also some of these picture similarity systems what they do is actually look at pitch sequences, not just pitch mix. So I think Loftus did that. Right. Gennaro, uh, I think as well, actually looking at what they, how, how they go about using their stuff. So <clears throat> again, that's really good for descriptive. Um, and you can look at it and say, okay, if this guy stops throwing that pitch and you know, you may have the opportunity to say, if he just changes his pitch mix, 
what kind of results will he have? Because you may be able to then tune the comparables for him to those people. You know, maybe guys who pitch backwards or, or you know, whatever, you know, pitch you know, sequencing canard you want to, or not canard, but uh, trope uh, you want to use. So there's the, uh, you know, there's that way as well, where, you know, you can just say, okay, if you just stuff the same, different sequencing, different pitch mix, again, so all these things are usefully descriptive, you know, and depending on the picture, I think there may be more interesting, um, not so much for projecting them, but then applying with the imagination of what they could be. I mean, some of this is just for fun. Right. Well, with this, like when you put it in, like, like you're saying, like, I mean, it, it, at some point it kind of becomes like a video game, you know, for the, the people like, yeah, you doing were this. points and you guys, okay, I can customize my guys. Yeah, right. We, exactly. We, like, all right. I'm, I'm, what would happen if I, well, I mean, you talked about like the tabletop games uh, a while back about like, what would it look like if I started all like, right. No, it's the whatever. same cons. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same, you know, uh-huh, master of the universe type of thing. Right. right. I'll give this guy an awesome splitter. It's like he can't throw a splitter. I'll never warn a splitter, you know. But, but if he could, but if he did, you know, it'd be awesome. So yeah, that's one way to go about it. But there's a devil in the details too. There's lots of what goes into the math of these things. So I think that's you know, like the James method, the base reference method. It's like they assume certain like stable relationships as as the distance between two things increase. There's so it's everything's this, there's a whole realm of mathematics that goes into doing this. Yeah. As I was um, looking at this stuff, like that was definitely the stuff that was confusing to me. Uh-huh. Um, there's Same. a lot of Greek symbols and yes. yeah, I definitely. don't know what those mean. That's um, a yeah. That's a, Hmm. I don't know. Um, but so I was looking through those. So conceptually it makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. in like, okay, yeah. So, yeah, and I think that's the, what we just talked about conceptually is enough for someone. If you know what's in yeah. the soup, even if you don't know the math, you kind of know what this tells you, what it doesn't tell you. If you consider these, you know, is it for describing, projecting, or, you know, developing a player? Those, those kind of three, you know, uses and developing as serious or playful as it may be right. for whoever's doing it. Right. But if, you, if you're into the math, that's a whole nother realm, but you can totally use these things and enjoy these things without understanding the dirty math because it, it just, those concepts are key, but how people go about figuring out, you know, it's all about different distances and Euclidean distance, not whole distance. Uh, you know, there's, is, is it linear? What is it? A Gaussian distribution, uh, is the, is do the relationships, are they two ways? Are they three ways? Uh, do you cluster things? There's, I've read, I've read, you know, something like six different papers and articles, and they all have a slightly different mathematical approach. But the stuff that James did and the stuff that baseball referenced the stuff, and even some of the like Z-score based, which is just standard deviations turned into one, two, three Z-score, mm-hmm. um, which is stuff that like Eno and Jeff Sullivan have done at, uh, at Fangraphs, they're, they're useful. Like these are like you can do like simpler math things and still get some basic cool comp information whether it's by pitch or even by arsenal things like that so you don't necessarily have to go nuts with it 
But if you get more and get more and more precise, you want to get into all these different multifaceted things. You know, it seems like you start to get a little gain, a bit of an edge. So whether that's just for your hobby and on enjoyment or for a team for competitive purposes, uh, then it, it starts to really matter what, what mathematical tools you choose to use because uh, that reflects assumptions and, you know, whether they're explicit or implicit, they're there based on how you choose to do things and, you know, what, what variables you choose. I think we've talked about the concepts enough on that. That's, that's part of it, but also what math you choose determines kind of the in a different dimension, a finer grain. So most of these things will give you pretty much good enough. So right. when you look at the links on the site, when we post this, um, you'll see a bunch of different ways of doing it. And I think like the, the, the most state of the art one is the Glenn Healy uh, paper that's at Baseball Prospectus, of course, thank you. Um, but that's outside the paywall, stuff like that we keep outside the paywall. Uh, and that was just that this uses summer, a lot right? Of the same basic concepts of, yeah. you know, sequence, pitch types, and when to use labels, not use labels, covers a lot of literature we talked about. Uh, it's an academic, written by academics, so it has a good habit of keeping up with literature, both academic and not literature in baseball in this case. So that's a useful article. If you just want to start there, you can pretty much get most of everything. Yeah. Just there. Yep. There's definitely a lot of uh, links out to previous work and related related articles and stuff like that. So that was helpful as I was mm-hmm. looking into it. So what, um, so th- thinking about that, so w- you mentioned like pitch tunnels and that yeah. that's kind of, I mean, this is kind of emerging right now. Yeah. Cause like tunnels, like it's another aspect of sequencing. So mm-hmm. sequencing and location were discussed, you know, in some of these approaches, but I, I think with that one, it's kind of, maybe gets at some of the aspects of a picture that those things are going after. But by looking at um, <clears throat> it, we get things out of our quote unquote tunnels, but by looking at not just what pitch it was after each other, but how much they change speeds, how much they change speeds on their fastball. I think there's things you could derive out of there where even if you found a guy that threw like Chris sale and whether you called his slider a curve or a slider or whatever, uh, and you dealt with that and you have a, cha- a speed changing thing going off Chris Dale. So maybe on average change up sinker fastball, he's similar to somebody, but in terms of how he changes speeds between those pitches, it's not. So that, I think that's another element of similarity that you may want to capture. So I would, so when we talk about the tunnels, it's not just the, you know, how different are they in the tunnel, but to me, like how much they change speeds beyond the, going from fastball change it but what's the difference from fastball to fastball for example yeah um there's something i think to capture about even you know this gets closer to results type stuff but again when we're talking about how much guys walk a lot of guys they strike out a lot of guys we might want to also use things that we think are kind of under the hood there. So approach and control slash command can sometimes be, you know, I think really approach and control can be hinted at what they're called strike probabilities, basically the map of how likely it pitches to be a strike for our framing models. But this is taking it for pitchers. Yeah. Well, it's just just taking it and saying, this is where they throw the ball. Like, is it beat or not? And you can see like really good hitters. They're, they're shown lower, uh, strike probabilities. Uh, Rob Arthur has written about that. 
So you've got so a, a bit of a sense of pitcher's approach or possibly control. You know, it depends. If they, but there, we also have some hints at their command through, again, the pitcher side of framing. You know, it's, that's an incomplete picture. There's other things we want to add to that. But it, so whatever it is, if you have a good command metric that's skill-based, not results-based so much, uh, you know, then you, you probably want to use that too. But you'd also want, also want to understand how that ages and how pictures develop and, and that all those things. So there's, it's great to put all these things into the soup and it's very appealing, but you, you've got to be careful too, because you could just be creating too many ways to go wrong. Yeah. Complexity for complexity, complexity right, yes, for complexity. What sake. And yeah. what, what's, what, what, and again, what's the question at hand and what are you trying to do with this? So, so these things that we've been talking about, these different components that would be cool to have in a picture similarity score, they don't currently exist in any publicly available model. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, we should fix that. We should, we, you know, we have Healy stuff. Um, we have one of our, our intern stuff, you know, we, we have all that. So yeah, I, I think that's going to change. Cool. So is there, so we've got, you mentioned the baseball reference that's using something similar to the Bill James mm-hmm. score and where are some of the other ones available? Are there other ones publicly They're available? Really not that I know like people in the articles, you know, like, you can find a table for that year. Yeah, right. Like but uh, nobody's really published. Like, a, here's a pitcher sim score. Uh, may, maybe I know. I know uh, the people that help you were talking about, which is what what's what started this conversation actually. So maybe they will have pitcher similarity leaderboards, but I think they're pretty much going to do that whenever. I don't know, um, but we'll, we'll probably we have so much other and many things sitting around that we haven't posted. We'll get around to it eventually. And, and with that, it's like, I'm just trying to think of, um, this is kind of where my brain goes with this. So would you then you're design, you're designing the interface, aren't you? Kind of. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, like what would it look like if I, if I went for the next moment in this podcast, we're going to design a user interface. Yeah. Um, this is watch, uh, watch and learn. I would, yeah, right. I would say you would want to let people <clears throat> choose what kind of comp it is. Okay. Like what to include, you know, yep. and to see how it changes it. Like we should have a system that kind of can generate these things on the fly. Right. Cause we have all the, the components all the data and all the stuff, you know, we should, you know, it, it should be, I think it would be interesting to, you know, give people the ability to see who was the most similar, right. um, based on which sets of character. If I include this, if I don't include, if I don't care about his weight, you know, what happens? So it's like, you, you kind of want to give people not just here's our picture similarity score. Right. Because it's just the one you want to show them, but you can't say, okay, we have 10 different ones because that's confusing. So we'll probably in an ideal world would be, yeah, say, Kendall, make a make a fun UI. All right. Um, yeah, because, I mean, it, it would be cool to say, like, like you're saying, like the different purpose of the similarity score. And I want to look at, you know, Chris Sale and Clayton Kershaw and see, like, are they similar? Are they not? Or even, I mean, one thing that I came across that I thought was interesting and kind of obvious, but um, picture similarity scores with um, handedness. So left-handed, right-handed. Initially it was, there was like very small 
um, taken into account, I think, by Bill James, or maybe that was, I don't know. It's been quite quite a few people it's have done that. jumped around yeah. a little bit, yeah. So, yeah, and even Loftus, his first paper was or beyond the box score post, whatever. I'm not sure if it was a paper first or not, but his first, his first article on it was he didn't bother with hand, uh, at all. So then he did, then he separated it out. And then actually Gennaro's papers were eventually separated to like pitcher hand by batter hand. So lefty by oh, left. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause you change your pitch mix and your approach and locations and stuff. So that's important. So you get into, so you get into like, self-similarity platoon similarity year-to-year similarity that's all in some of these papers that we're going to link up yeah i mean that would be cool too to look at that also like you you know we talked we're talking about the interface again but like looking at um chris sale for example um year to year and Mm -hmm. see how similar 2016 chris sale is to 2017 or like you've got guys who are like i know in the tunneling article that um jeff long and um kate morrison did they talked a lot about dallas keichel and how his uh how things changed for him year to year and how his effectiveness changed based on that and um so to look at they use stuff like we just mentioned like cs throb and, and csa and tunnels and actual normal like walk rates and K rates and things like that too, I think. Yeah, I think so. But I mean, I think something like that would be really cool too, to be able to track a guy or if you know a guy, you know, I think, I don't know. I think, I think with a guy like sale, it'd be interesting to at least illustrate that his approach changed in terms of changing speeds. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's things like that, that should be serviceable. But, you know, what, what constitutes an approach change may be different for different guys. So do you want to flag it yeah. as, you know, again, getting to, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to slice this stuff. Yeah. Well, it's like, that's and even the that's analysis. Probably the most important thing to do is that. <laughs> and, and Chris Long said this, our, our friend on Twitter, who's a well-known sports analyst, um, he says, you know, when you're looking at pitcher similarity scores, the place to start is what matters to you in terms, you know, what's the question? Yeah. What What is important to you for pitcher similarity? Figure out what, what aspects of pitching are, are relevant to your, your endeavor, to your question. Well, isn't and, that, I mean, on, on a broader scale. That's with it, everything. You're yeah, right. Like yeah. That's like you, you, when you're doing analysis, like you've got to, figure that out first before you jump into answering a question. Hopefully Chris will listen and agree that, you know, this is kind of covers at least some of the ranges of it and, uh, you know, where, you know, what different applications are of it. So I I think, I think that's at least useful. So it gets to, again, it's that, you know, it's the first level of of what you're going to do. What what do you want? What do you, what data are you including? basically you know what questions you're asking first now there's also some value just playing around with the data and, and whatnot yeah um and figuring it out but it's it's better to have a good question and go forth well going forth um it, is that kind of the next step in terms of similarity stuff is yeah, is well, for, for us at bp it's probably two things you know one is we are generally looking at qualitative like groupings of pitchers and how to like 
you know, in different ways. And I think you'll see that in terms of both going into Pakoda and changing how we project pictures and also adding, you know, elements to the website itself in terms of showing you on a, on a picture card, maybe some leaderboards about things, but basically giving, giving some of these stuff based similarities. And again, it's going to be different from, it could be, you know, I think it's going to be somewhat different from who their comps are. And we may have a strange thing where, you know, we don't want to lose all the comparables from pre 2008. Right. So it's not going to be just purely, you know, pitch tracking based comps. You can't really do that, especially with minor league players. We don't have public tracking data on. So again, you know, how exactly you get these things into the system matters. Uh, and you have to have the, you have to have a system that works without it. So we have to figure out things like that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, are there, I'm trying to remember, I don't have it pulled up right now, but at brooksbaseball.net, are there similarities listed there? Is that no, right? No, but no, there aren't. I don't think so. I think he may have had them at one time, but I don't think there are anymore. Okay. Dan will say that, oh yeah, I've got similarity code. I, I probably have three different pitcher similarity generators Yeah. from him. I mean, that's, these aren't super hard to make, but what's important is what you decide. Right. That, that's, that's, for the, that's what matters. Oh yeah. What I'm thinking of is he's got. Yeah. The descriptions of what like, their stuff is like. Yeah. yeah. Stuff similarity. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's, yeah, again, that's another example of how to use this stuff where right. this box is on Brooks that say, uh, you know, his, his slider has an ungodly number of whiffs, you know, things like that. Cause that, that, and that's cause that's just simply where does this sit on these distributions? And Dan has a little like index of words that are cool that he likes. And there you go. But again, that's the, that's the same concept. Yeah. It's broken down into a lot of component results. That's cool. All right. Um, well, do we have anything more to cover? Nah. Nah. <laughs> All right. The well, beaten. yeah, we, we've just talked enough about pitcher similarity scores. So I think, I think we can, um, look forward to. Oh, don't go, don't look forward to anything. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> That's my advice. We can but get, yeah, we, we, I, I would, I would think, We'll have some changes in Dakota for possibly for 2018. It's getting almost late for that, but it's still possible. Well, I think it's cool to, to learn about um, the stuff and to just, I think another thing too is to see how it has changed and the inputs have changed and, and how that maybe gives us a little bit more detail or understanding or answers different questions. And, um, so I think it's going to be cool to watch how that progresses just kind of on the, on the broad scale, um, over the next few years anyway, too. So, all right, well, we're going to take a break and we will come back and we will talk about the things we learned this week.
Welcome back to Stolen Signs. Um, we are going to talk about things we learned this week. Um, so this week I learned that the great Ted Williams was kind of, I don't know if he was a stat head or an, um, anyway, he was into kind of scientific, um, the scientific pursuit of becoming a better hitter. And, um, that seems crazy to me because you think of Ted Williams, you think of like this natural, you know, like he's, um, he's the best fisherman the world has ever seen. He's the best fighter pilot the world has ever seen. He's the, you know, the best hitter the world has ever seen, you know, all of these things. And so you think like, um, I don't know. I just think of him as like a natural. And uh, I'm reading the book called Ted Williams, My Father by his daughter, Claudia Williams. And I'm not very far into it, but um, there's a little piece that I'm going to read. And um, I think it talks about it. And it's interesting. It was I found it very interesting that um, Ted Williams was um, very analytical in his approach to hitting. So she calls him dad. So um, that's the dad that it's referring to. Um, it says, dad believed perfection was attainable in any pursuit. If there was a scientific method behind it, dad always did his research. He was always designing cerebral hypotheses and doing small experiments. He observed and studied his subject relentlessly, whether it was the fish he was trying to catch or the pitch he was t trying to crush. He analyzed everything that fish did or that pitcher did and when and why they did it. If he could not prove his hypothesis through consistent, concrete evidence and the support of statistical probability, the whole cycle would start again until someone, some pattern revealed itself. I saw this in everything that he did. Wow. So uh, that was like, I read that and I was like, well, that's um, pretty like strong... Look, I knew he was like into like there's that famous picture of him with that um, frame of baseballs, right? Painted different colors with his batting average at that part of the strike zone, like so they wind up in the frame of a strike zone. Yeah. Like so, don't swing at bad pitches. Yeah. But that I mean, that was just a hint. Yeah, like <laughs> apparently that was just kind of his his makeup which i mean and it makes sense too because like he obviously was relentless and you know just pursued greatness and there's stories and stories and stories about how he was really prickly and you know all of this stuff because he was so driven and you know all of these different things but that like putting it in those terms and of course the book was written fairly recently so it's like the world of that kind of thinking in the kind of lexicon around it had come up it was written in 2014 okay. um, so there that I, may be an aspect of it but just the 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 report from his daughter that 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 was something that was so um ingrained well, in his approach like greatness is a combination of you know luck and timing but you know besides that talent and work yeah preparation and so because other people have talent other people don't work hard but when you're when you're particularly gifted and you work like crazy that may be where you 
see people who have become like remembered as the greats of all time. Right. You have to have the combination of, of, of things. Yeah. Michael Jordan and you know those types of things where you you hear about their work ethic and it's like ridiculous. Yeah, most competitive person on the planet. That's that was Jordan's thing, just driven to win. Like that that was his. You know, you got to have a motivation of some kind. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I mean, this book is super interesting because it also talks about how, um, you know, the famous Ted Williams quote of like when I walk down the street, I want people to say there goes the greatest hitter that ever lived mm-hmm. and how he like kind of wished he hadn't ever said that later in his life. And he just, you know, um, like when people would say that, you know, would they would introduce him as, as such. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, he didn't like that apparently because he was like, you know, he's like, well, what about Babe Ruth? And what about you know these guys and that guy? So very interesting. Young but, and brash, but that, yeah. that young and brash attitude helped him. It's oh, okay yeah. To kind of lament it. It's yeah. okay. But I, I recommend, so like I'm like 40 pages into this book, but um, so far it's good and I would recommend it. Yeah, post the link. Yep. Will do. All right, Harry. Oh, I learned something this week. What did you learn? I learned that renowned astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson has strange opinions on baseball. Oh, okay. So my, my friend told me, she tweeted something about a bad podcast <laughs> about baseball and science. And I was like, well, hey, no. my first thought, right now, right now, my first thought was, oh, oh no, because I know she's listened to this. And, uh, and I was like, oh, no. It was clearly not. It was like something she referenced something specific that did not happen on ours. And I asked, I'm like, well, whose was it? And she's like, well, it was this, you know, Kate Tyson has a show or the main, probably the main host or frequent host, whatever, Star Talk, his podcast. And there's mm-hmm. something called Star Talk Playing with Science, which is a sports themed show. And you would think that the hosts would be, you know, as half-assed prepared as we are, but I think they're not. I don't think they, they just like get the notes and, and go into the show and it created some kind of strange things. I think because they were relying on, on Neil to be the expert because he seemed to claim expertise on baseball and it ended up just having like, I mean, it was, it was not an hour. I, I thought, I was warned. I was like, this won't be that good, but it was, it was not, it was, it got, it, it, it was weird. I mean, it started out with, uh, it's all an, him answering tweets, which is great. You know, so people were like tweeting him about baseball stuff and he's like, well, this is, you know, which is okay, cool. Great. Love it. So first it was something about, you know, how, uh, should batters jump into the strike zone? Is that against the rules? And like later in the show, somebody told them, yeah, you have, you have to at least pretend to try to get out of the way of the pitch. So it was like halfway through the show before that, like opening, uh, question was resolved. <laughs> they just like texted somebody while they were doing it. Yeah. What are the and rules again? What are the about, rules? Yeah. I was like, this is to baseball. Like, the idea was that if you get hit by ball four, you should get two bases. But, and so that went into a whole discussion of like what that would entail. And this was like a harbinger of what was to come. Okay. The, Hey, what's the sporting notion of the guy getting hit? Okay. So, um, but, so then there was a complaint about the game being too slow, but then something almost sciencey about the neurological benefits of, of the batter stepping out and resetting and helping his perceptual system be ready for the next pitch. And he's like, yeah, that was some Scientific American article I read six years ago. And that was that. Okay, that was all. <laughs> that, was his, that was his answer to that? 
that, no, I, that was like that was they, there was one of the uh, hosts just oh, kind of okay. mentioned that as yeah. an aside, uh-huh. and it's mostly Neil lamenting the game is three and a half hours instead of two hours when he was young. So you know that was. <laughs> And they spent a significant amount of time talking about how much saliva is produced during a baseball game um, in, in a lot of detail. Uh, it's an interesting thought experiment if you like those kind of things, like a job interview question, like how do you think and go about problem solving? So uh, his estimate six gallons per game. They also thought there were 32 teams in baseball. So, you know, this is not baseball expertise on display. I just want to make this clear. I, I love Neil deGrasse Tyson um, on Cosmos. was fantastic. He's a long history of doing great TV and, and things, but this was not – this wasn't the best. If there uh, are, are going to be a 31st and 32nd team, let's send one to Portland, Oregon, please. Yeah, we'll see. Rob Manfred. From- it's gonna it's rainy okay so then this is the part that my friend had actually tweeted about so she won't be anonymous if you can find the tweet but basically he said something about you know like what kind of bat would be the best bat and he's like well i asked a sabermetrician and a sabermetrician is the person who cares things long and deep about things that regular fans don't care about (laughs) okay you know i don't like i don't really love the term sabermetrician but at least that's kind of <laughs> it's a kind backhanded compliment, I guess. I don't know. They it, really care about things that no one else does. Like, no, that's. I hope not. I hope that's not the case. But they, they talked about aluminum bats. He said that his source says aluminum bats would be dangerous because the reaction time for pitchers wouldn't be enough. Ding, ding, ding. And this got bad. Like they said that would be like the, they started going off about how that would be great to make the game more exciting. Oh my gosh. So they went on for like a couple minutes about like how this is the answer to the batter being hit. You know, you can try and drill the pitcher. If you're so good at hitting, why would you try any other? Like you'd be in the post game report and a pitcher died or had his nose broken or an orbital smashed. And I'm just like, holy crap! I'm like, no, guys. I'm like, no, no. And they're like, ha ha. Okay, the next thing, the next, you know, next question. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm like, this is not funny. I was like, this wasn't. I was just kind of like, nice try. Okay. Then they talk about pine tar and how pine tar is kind of that you don't need pine tar because because glove technology is so advanced. So they don't even know where pine tar is used. That it's on the bat or on the pitcher's fingertips. <clears throat> I mean, on the bat. And uh, they're like, no, no, no. Gloves are advanced. It's because it was a question about how like, baseball uses like old timey things, and it's like. Old, oh yeah, pine tar. That's outdated. That's back in the day when they needed that. Cause, you know, the gloves sucked. Was it? Were they talking? They weren't talking about batting gloves. They were talking. No, about- dude, they're talking about fielder's gloves. And 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 they, they, they had a, a whole thing about gloves and the intimacy of a player. They actually talked about the like. It was just really weird. Like you wouldn't want to mess with a player's glove. It's an important. It was totally about the catcher. And it was no, it wasn't oh that. It wasn't the bat. It wasn't your Franklin batting gloves. Generous. Generous try there, Kendall. It was very, very. Maybe they meant well. No, they didn't mean well. No, no. no. So well, they that, just segue from that into laser strikes. So, so oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> they basically we could do that easily. They basically have it in tennis, and I was just like, no. oh my gosh. Oh, they basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah tennis I, also I, has a grid drawn on the ground that doesn't move. And they don't use it for every shot in tennis. Right. I mean, it's it's just so wrong. Like oh it just gosh. every as soon as someone says they basically have a test, like 
you haven't considered the problem. Yeah, you don't. You just really have know what you're talking about. Problem. Oh um, man. So, but they also said it's interesting. JP Aaron Seba apparently is a regular on this thing, and he says that oh, cool. they uh, like that the, there's a whole like, thing about the strike zone and all this stuff that goes on during the game that's part of it and you know it's weird it's like you know basically neil was saying i don't care if they do it i don't have a horse in this race or whatever but it'd be but it indicates that it'd be pretty easy to do but so even though he misses like on that factual thing he kind of got to his credit one of the nuance parts of it about how it would mess up the cat and mouse part of the game like it would change the dynamics of the game about the, how the edge of the strike zone works how you lobby the and the host are like yeah because jp was telling us how you lobby the umpire and have to, it's like a political thing you can't complain when you're batting because you won't give it to you in your game and it's like this whole like you know that suddenly the, the batter's probabilities would be different because the marginal pitch would no longer be 50 50 it would be you know it'd be it'd be much more precisely called and so he's he got that part That's which good. to me is like uh is built upon like all the other understand a, a good right. understanding. so he kind of gets baseball he really clearly has watched a lot of baseball and has thought about it I don't know if he's done so in 30 years. <laughs> right. right. And, and just so assumes the technology is yeah. is sufficient. Yeah. And because... then they almost, they got into some, the last thing I listened to that there was another part where they talk about batting averages. I didn't go into just that at all. I oh, forget geez. about that. But, you know, the idea that it takes a lot more, two times more energy to throw a ball 100 miles an hour than does 70 miles an hour. And they kind of go into the physics of that, but they didn't really go well into ang- actual baseball. They kind of mentioned angular momentum or angular speed, and they didn't. I, I, I didn't get a whole lot out of it. I didn't take much out of it. Hmm. But they kind of floated past the notion of pitching below hitting speed. But you know, if once you know that Tyson only has a seventy-two mile an hour fastball, he, he's like, "You're going to get me," you know. So they, it was a weird show, man. It was like. Uh, like okay, this should be promising, but there were just things that were just wrong, factually things that were just awkward. Yeah. Well, I remember. Um, um, when was it? I'm trying to remember the specifics of it, but um, back on Effectively Wild, Ben and Sam they talked about how, um, like Hollywood gets it, gets baseball like 96 percent right. In the, but it's like that last four percent is like totally wrong. I would have been happy if they'd gotten ninety six percent right. <laughs> right, but and so they're like, you know, hire us to be consultants or whatever. And it was just funny because they were like, I think they talked to somebody. I don't remember specifically, but it was it was interesting because it's kind of a similar thing of like, it's kind of like baseball. It looks like baseball, but, but it's not quite, not quite right. It's funny too, like. Um, like thinking about I remember listening to like NPR or something and there was for some reason a baseball story in the news and like you know these NPR people with their you know you know whatever I feel like they make up their names sometimes I don't know if that's accurate or not but like the the the, um, the hosts names seem fictitious um, anyway, but so there's somebody like reporting on the Yankees and they just totally like totally miss a name. And it's like, it's like, wow, that's, that's somebody who's like an MVP candidate. And like, you just totally botched their name. I don't know. I, th- I think it's interesting because when you put, well, I guess there's the expectation when 
from people like us who are very, you know, versed in uh, the game and the players and what looks right and what doesn't look right. So it's it's really obvious just when when there's a, a mess up like that. But I think it's interesting when that happens. Yeah, I, mean, I think it doesn't matter. It's like that commercial where it's like, what's his ERA against lefties? Like, you don't have that. Right. You know, if you knew baseball, you wouldn't say that. But it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. It's like people get it. Like people, well, it, people get people it. Get people get the baseball do, people, thing. The people, people like us are like, well, that's incorrect. Actually, that, you know, you don't, they wouldn't calculate ERA on a basis of that nature. Uh, yeah. And besides, ERA is an antiquated stat replacing. And so it's like you just no weekend. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like that. That's why that stuff happens. It doesn't matter. And someone's like, "Yeah, we really try to get the baseball right for this movie," and then they, they totally don't. Yeah, well, but it's hard to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to do. And when you get when you get people who have a, a care, have a, a a passion about something, the uh, level of being pedantic goes up about a million fold per unit of passion. I think so. But isn't this kind of like also part of it's our, oh, I'm so smart. Oh, yeah. That movie's got that so wrong. Like, okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I know. If I were to make this movie, I know. I know. Not, in, inside you know, baseball. Yep. Yeah. It's like, it, we, it, so, you know, there's that too. I mean, it's part of it. It's, it's, and it's fun. It's like, you know, like I listened to that podcast. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm in so the tribe. I'm, yeah. going to, I'm going to have my own podcast about this one. So, yeah, I'm yeah. not happy at all. Well, I th- yeah, I mean, I think it's all about finding your tribe, and we, <laughs> you know, like we, we want to be the in. We want to be like, want people. So if to, you want to be in our tribe, just contact us. Hey. <laughs> yes, at stolen underscore signs on Twitter, stolen underscore signs at baseballperspectus.com rate review us iTunes and um, I guess we'll see people next week see season yeah well we've been very close there won't be playoffs yet so. no we've yeah we've got what two weeks left uh huh yeah I think October 3rd starts playoffs so we'll see maybe we'll do something playoff related I think that would be good it's a pretty interesting pretty season it is I, I think like, we'll talk about that I like baseball Baseball's good. Goodbye.